Take your Bibles, turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 15. If you want to, you can also put a, a finger in Numbers chapter 13, 2 Chronicles 15. Uh, before I jump into that, let me say next week I saw where we're having our chili cook-off. Let me tell you, I, I, want, I love to eat, and so I hope you plan on being here and being a part of that. If you want to, they'll, you know... Fix something and bring it so that we can see and judge your uh, chili-making ability. But, but even more than all that, you say, why are we doing that? Well, it's one of the values that we've just invested more and more here is to make sure that this place is a home, that it has that home feel, that we invest in each other, we invest in the world around us. And that's why we like to say when people come in here, welcome home, welcome home. And we want you to feel that way. And, and a big part of the creating that culture is us getting to know each other. And avenues like that, where we're sitting across and, and just discussing and meeting and, and getting to know each other, is one way that we just foster that culture. And so uh, we encourage you to be a part of that. If you're here for the first time today, let's just say to you, welcome home. Uh, we're glad you're here. We want you to come and not hide who you are, and warts and all, because that's who we are. We're starting this series today called Tomorrowland, and I am so excited incredibly excited about it and, and it all revolves around this kind of truth and that is the landscape of our tomorrow is is determined by the choices that we make today the tomorrow is not built tomorrow tomorrow is built today and not just in the in the big decisions that we make but in every decision big and small they collectively and it's even in the decisions we don't make because in making not making a decision somewhere that we should, we're making a decision. And all those things, the, the sum total of all those things come together and they're happening today, we're deciding them today, but what they're doing is they're constructing our tomorrow so that when we step into tomorrow, so much of it is already built. We tend to think that it's about the circumstances that, that come that will determine our tomorrow. No, we build our tomorrow to a large degree today. What will your tomorrow land be like? Stop saying one day. Because when we say, oh, well, one day maybe, one day maybe, what we're really saying is tomorrow is built tomorrow. And that's a fallacy. And if you get there, what happens so often is tomorrow ends up not being what you wanted because you didn't build. It's what you built to a large degree. And there's something. But to a large degree, tomorrow is built today. And so we're going to wrap this whole series about around that. How can we build a better tomorrow land? And, and, we, and I, I, I'm excited about it because this is one of those things I really don't think that we get and we get the magnitude of it. It's evident by the fact that if I came in those doors and came up to you and said, what is 2019 going to be like for you? What's the theme of this year going to be for you? Is it going to be one where you thrive or is it going to be one that you just barely survive? Is it going to be one that we tap into your greatness? Or is it one that you're just going to try to make it through? And if I ask that question, many, many, many of you would respond and say, well, I don't know. It's the first Sunday of 2019. How do I know what the theme of this year is going to be? I mean, I don't know what's coming. I don't know the circumstances that lie ahead for me. I don't know what's going to happen. There's so much unknown. How can I give you the answer to that question now? It's just too early. And I get that. 
I get that there's so many things in life that happen to us that are outside of our control, but I also get that we give far too much credit to those things for, for the impact they have on our long-term happiness and hope and greatness. You see, I'm convinced that we give up too much future greatness today. And, and I'm convinced that we give far too much power to the unhappy and, and to the painful and, and to the frightening events that fade into our life, invade our life. And, and, I, and I don't want to minimize those things. I mean, they're real, and, and they hurt, and they can steal your smile, your step, your laughter, maybe even your heart for a season, maybe longer. I get all that, and, it, and they, they can be so frightening. But they only have the power to dominate and control your future to the point that you let them. If you give up to them. You see, far too often, we surrender our future to the events of today. Because we fail to understand that our tomorrow land that our tomorrow, the landscape of our tomorrow, is built largely by the choices and decisions that we make today. You have far more control than you realize over what your tomorrow land looks like. But too often, we look at what is before us, the stress, the, sometimes the chaos, sometimes the circumstances, sometimes just the lostness that the immediate moment can create. And we get into that just kind of, I just want to make it. And we just give up. We give up. At least we give up hope of what tomorrow could be. And we just kind of settle with where we are. And what we do is the only hope we have is, I hope something changes. I hope that, that something is better. And if we're spiritual, I hope that God does something. In other words, we take our tomorrow land and we put it in the hands of God. And in other words, we say we have no impact for our tomorrow. The only thing that, you know, if we have hope for a better tomorrow, it's because God is going to have to step in and do something. And we just give up to today. We give up to the events of today. And we give up believing that tomorrow land can be constructed today. We just move into this kind of life where we just go through the motions with little vision and little expectation of what could be. And, and, and we just kind of, well, I guess this is just the life I'm, I have for right now, the life I'm stuck with. And we give up believing that there's bigger and better things. And we give up belief in our potential. We give up our greatness that is in us, and we give up building that better tomorrow. All the while, God is in the background whispering, don't give up. Don't you give up, because I'm not done yet. Listen, you haven't even begun to see what I'm capable of. Don't you give up. Don't you give up today believing on the greatness that is possible tomorrow because you haven't even begun to see of 
a, a small inkling of what I am capable of. Don't you give up. And God is just cheering us on. Don't give up. Don't give up. Believe, believe. Build tomorrow, today with me, will you? But that voice is drowned out by the stress and the chaos and the confusion that so many things that today can bring. And so we just, just do life. Just going through, not expecting anything great. Just wanting to make it through another day. Hoping that if greatness comes, it's because something outside of ourself changes. That way we're not responsible. Well, there's a, a time in the Old Testament where it was a, a season of a lot of national infighting. And the result of that was the Jewish nation actually split. The, the northern part of the nation kept the name Israel. The southern part of the nation took on the name of Judah. And Judah had a, a king that brought some light. I mean, they, they went through a lot of really, really dark days. Externally, they had a, a, a lot of nations and a lot of forces trying to conquer them, to subdue them. And they just always, for a long time, were living under this threat and possibility of just being conquered. If not, if not subdued, maybe even extinguished as a, as a people. And so they lived under this threat all the time, were constantly at war, constantly battling. And then internally, they had walked away from God. They kept, you know, the, the, the position, the privilege, and they wanted to be considered God's people, but they also enjoyed taking on some of the beliefs and practices of the pagan religions of the cultures that surrounded them. They wanted both. They wanted to be the security of knowing that God was on their side, but they also wanted the fun and the comfort that came from adopting some of these, uh, these pagan ways of thinking. And so they even set up idols throughout the nation. And we look at that and we think it's weird, but I don't know if we're that much different. Because a lot of times in Christ, we enjoy being the, the sons and daughters of the king of the universe. But yet we attach our hope and our fulfillment and our significance to other things other than our position in Christ. Whether it is material things or other people's opinions. And so we fall in love and we have the idol of our Facebook likes or our Instagram likes or people's opinion or what we drive. And so I, I don't know if we're that much different. But they had gone through, they were just having, a, it was just a really dark season, both externally and internally as a people. And they had this king come along by the name of Asa. And Asa wasn't a perfect man by any stretch of the imagination, but he was a pretty good guy. And for the most part, he was a pretty godly guy. And, and he did two things. First, he brought peace. He strengthened the, the, the army of Judah. And for 35 years under his rule, they lived in peace as a nation. That was something that they had not experienced for a long time. They were feeling the stress of constant threat and war. And now for 35 years under his rule, they had peace. And the other thing he did is he said, you know what? No more to the false gods. We got to realize who we are. 
And we got to realize where we're going. He understood this, that Tomorrowland is built on the decisions we make today. And so if we want to move forward into something that God has for us, we need to return God to the rightful place in our hearts and in our culture and in our lives. And so he, as king, stepped up and said, no more. And he began to rid the nation of these idols. Well, not everyone liked it. He faced a tremendous amount of criticism. And over time, he just began to be wore down, disillusioned, disillusioned with the people and their attitudes and their constant complaining, disillusioned maybe in himself and in his inability to, to muster everybody, maybe even a little disillusioned with God. God, these are your people. I'm, I'm doing what's right. And all I hear is the criticism and criticism and criticism. And he began to be wore down. And then adding on top of that, there was this constant threat of being destroyed. This constant threat on the outside. In, in any weak moment, any weak season, there was always a force out there ready to exploit that. So every day he was just living with this. People weren't celebrating him to a large degree internally and externally. Others of that, and he was just being wore down and wore down and wore down. His vision was getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And one day, God sent him a prophet. And the prophet didn't do some great, eloquent teaching. I, I think the most powerful thing that the prophet said was wrapped up in one verse. Second Chronicles chapter 15, verse 7 says this. But as for you, Asa, as for you, be strong and do not give up. For your work will be. Hey, what we're talking about right now, Asa, what we're doing right now is not about today. The choices that you're making, the work that you're doing is not about today. It is about what will be. It is about tomorrow land. Your work will be rewarded. Be strong. Do not give up. Don't you give up, Asa. Don't you give up, because this season right now is not your final chapter. Don't you give up, Asa. Don't you lose courage, because there is more ahead. Don't you give up, because I know what you're doing right now, the work you're doing right now. You may not immediately see the benefit, and that's because what you're doing right now, the decisions that you're making right now, the belief you have right now that there's something better, it's not about today. You're building tomorrow today because the landscape of your tomorrow is constructed by the choices that you make today. Don't you give up, Asa. God did not promise in that moment, Asa, if you notice in that verse through that prophet, he didn't say it was going to get better quickly. He didn't say it's all going to work out. He said this, don't, work up, don't, don't, don't give up. Be strong, don't lose your courage. Because what you're working on is tomorrow. Because the landscape of your tomorrow is determined by the choices you make today. I'm betting, because I just know me, and the seasons I've gone through in life, I'm betting that there's many this morning feeling a little bit like Asa this first Sunday of 2019. 
the circumstances you have found yourself in, maybe, maybe they're a little disheartening. Maybe they're hard. Maybe it's not something, maybe it's just devastating. Maybe it is something like that, but maybe it's not something like that. Maybe it's just been so long of trying and working to do what is right and true, and you just, you just don't see the, the, the return immediately on it, and you're just tired, and you're worn down, and you're frustrated, and the exhaustion is beginning to take its toll. I believe for you this morning, I believe God is leaning in and would say to you the same thing he told that king a couple of thousand years ago. He would lean into you and say this, but as for you, be strong and do not give up for your work will be your work doing the right things making the right choices refusing to ignore the things in your life you should not ignore and diving into those things stepping out in faith making the sacrifices to do the good and right thing in the eyes of god right now may seem a little mundane it may seem a little difficult it's going to take faith it's going to take sacrifice it's going to take stepping out but for your work will be rewarded don't you give up Don't you dare give up. For this moment that you're in, this season that you're in this morning, whatever it is, the season that you're in this morning is not your final chapter. There is more that is ahead for you. And God wants to lean in this morning and he says, I'm not through with you yet. Don't you give up. It might not become easier today. It might not come easier tomorrow. But be strong and don't you give up. Listen to me. God leans into you today and he says this. Don't you give up on you. Don't you dare give up on you. Don't give up on the greatness that is in you. Don't give up on the vision that God has for your life. Don't give up on you. God would say don't give up on me. Don't give up on belief and that I'm through with you. Don't you say that. Don't give up on me and what I could do in your life. And don't give up on what could be. Do not give up on your greatness. Because there is greatness inside of every one of you in here this morning. Don't you give up. Don't you give up on you. I want to ask you this morning. Will you make a pledge this first Sunday in 2019? Will you make a pledge not to anybody else, make a pledge to yourself and to God? Will you say this, that God, I pledge this morning that I'm not going to give up believing that my best days are ahead of me. I'm not going to give up and believe that my best days are behind me. I'm not going to back away from the greatness that is in me. Because I am not created in the image of a tree or a plant or an animal. I'm created in the image of greatness. And there is greatness in me. 
regardless of what has happened in my past, regardless of what I've gone through, and regardless of what lies ahead that I do not know. But this thing I do know, that my God is the God over all of it, and he created me with purpose in mind, and he's not done with me yet. And I'm not going to give up on that. Regardless of what this season looks like, I'm going to keep believing in not only God's greatness, but the greatness in me because I've been created in his image. Will you make the pledge today that you're not going to, listen, will you make a pledge today that you're not going to back away from being great in 2019? Just say that to God. God, I don't know what you have in store, but I'm, I'm not going to give up believing on you and what you have for me. I'm not going to give up believing on me, and I'm not going to give up on believing the future that you have for me. So I am not going to back away from being great in 2019. Just pledge that to yourself and to God this morning. You see, I believe we give up way too early. I believe we give up to the, to the circumstances of the moment. I believe we give up to so many things in life. In fact, there's one way we have a tendency to give up our future and, and the greatness of what could be, and we don't even realize it's giving up. In fact, we don't think it's giving up. We think it's being successful. And I'll give it to you it's this. It's when you make your vision for your life so small that you can't help but achieve it. See, that's our solution. We just dumb down what we believe God will do. We just redefine success to something that's easy, to something that we can control or manipulate. And so, therefore, we don't feel like we're giving up. We feel exactly the opposite. We are successful. Why? Because we're accomplishing what we define as success. We've just dumbed down success. We have so low expectations for what God desires to do in and through our life that there's no doubt we're going to be successful. We didn't give up. We were successful. No, you don't. You just, you just took a vision and made a vision for your life so small you couldn't help but achieve it. That's not... That's not... That's not believing that there's greatness in you it's like this if i redefine physical success from running a marathon to walking to my truck that's just another way of giving up right i mean running a marathon is hard the potential for me to fail completing or running in a marathon is pretty significant and to be successful at that I've got to believe in myself. I've got to believe in my ability. I've got to get up and train when other people are watching Bird Box on the couch, right? I've got to get up early when other people are sleeping. It's going to require sacrifice and preparation and work. And even with all that, I don't know whether I'll be able to do it or not. But to walk to my truck, I can do that. And if I define success as that, well, get up in the morning, get ready, go get my Diet Coke, walk out to my truck, open the door, sit in the chair, success! Gosh, I'm good. I just can't stop winning. I'll do this again at lunch. It's easy. No fear of failure. But it's not winning. We tend to give up on God. 
We tend to give up on ourselves, and we tend to give up on what could be by making our vision for ourselves so small, so easy that there's little risk involved. The Israelites did this. They had been slaves for generations after generations in Egypt. And it wasn't an army that showed up one day. It was a guy with a big stick, right? Remember him? What could he do? And then they began to hear the stories of the supernatural that this guy named Moses was doing. How he brought locusts. He predicted that locusts would come if they wouldn't let the people go. And these locusts came and devoured the field. He talked about how if they didn't go, the water that they depend on would turn to blood. And it did. And they talked about frogs coming and they came. And he talked about the firstborn would die without the blood of the lamb over the doorpost that had happened. And, and after a while, all these things were happening, and finally Pharaoh said, fine, leave. Leave. You can go. And he let them leave. And then Pharaoh said, I may let you leave, <clears throat> but it doesn't mean I'm going to let you live. And he sent his army after them. And they had gone through the Red Sea, and if you know the story, when the the, the, the Egyptian army came through, the waters were released, and they were destroyed. And I can tell you story after story after story that these people, these Israelites who were once slaves, nomads with no place to live, had been released by God. And how they saw God do something amazing after amazing after amazing. It tells you, you can see God do a lot of amazing things and still have a small vision for your life. Too often people say, well, if God would just. Now, there's some people, there's evidence that you can see God do a lot of amazing things and still give up on believing in him. And they promised that they would have a new land. God said, you will not have to remain nomads forever. You will have a new land and you will set up a new nation and you can live there. And they came to that place. And Moses being the strategician that he was, he sent out spies to look at the land to develop the strategy. Numbers chapter 13, picking up verse 25, says this. When they returned from spying out the land <clears throat> at the end of the 40 days, they proceeded to come to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the sons of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh, and they brought back word to them to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Thus they told him and said, we went to the land you sent us, and it certainly flows with milk and honey. That's just a cultural way of saying it was, it was very fruitful. It could sustain life, is what they're saying. And, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there, and Amalek is living in the land of the Negev, and the Hittites and the Jesuits and the Amorites are living in the hill country, and the Canaanites are living by the sea and by the side of Jordan. It's going to be hard. There's a possibility of failure. This is, this is a big vision. Verse 30, then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, we should by all means go up and take possession of it. For we will surely overcome it. You know what he said? He's just saying that. Don't be afraid to be great, people. That's what he's saying. Let's not be afraid to be great. Let's don't have a little vision. Let's have a big vision for your life. Let's have a vision that is risky. Let's have a vision that requires God. Let's have big visions for our life. Don't be afraid to be great. Verse 31. 
But the men who had gone with him said, we are not able to go against these people for they are too strong for us. You feel it? Do you feel the, all of a sudden the vision getting smaller? I mean, just in that statement, do you feel the vision? These people are, they're, they're just saying, no, 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 we can't have that big a vision for our life. Let's, let's, let's get the small vision. So they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone and spying it out is the land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great size. The vision gets smaller. Fear now driving the decision-making. There, also, there also we saw Nephilim, the sons of Anak, are part of the of Anak or a part of the Nephilim. And we became like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight, smaller and smaller. They're giving up a belief. They're, giving, they're choosing uh, real quickly. Hey, we can't do this. This is too risky. This requires too much sacrifice. The possibility of failure is too great. Verse 14, then the congregation lifted up their voices and cried. And the people wept that night. Drama, drama. And all the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt. Or would that we had died in the wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land to fall by the sword? God had a bigger vision for their life than they did. Our wives and our little ones will become plunder. You know, you hear that? It's a, it's a plea to, hey, we want to choose what's safe. We always want to choose what's safe. we got to go what's safe. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us appoint a leader and return to Egypt. They didn't return to Egypt. Instead, what they did is they made a choice that day that didn't just affect that day. They chose that day to stay in the desert because the desert was known. They'd been in the desert for a while. They knew how to manipulate and, and survive in the, in the desert. The desert was known. It was manageable. It wasn't an easy place to live, but it was easy in the sense that they had figured a lot of it out. So, you know, there was safety. There was less risk. We know how to navigate this. But going to the land? Sure, it sounds better, but there's just so much risk involved. The potential to fail is significant. It's frightening. We feel the loss of control. If, if we go there, it's going to be hard. And if we're successful, then what? God is going to have to step in. We're going to have to depend upon God to bring about this vision. Because that's just so big. And they chose to embrace, embrace a vision that was too small to fail. And their choice that day didn't affect just that day. It affected their future. Because your tomorrow, the landscape of your tomorrow, as well as theirs, is largely determined, affected, constructed by the choices you make today. And the choices they made on that day ended up affecting them for a generation. What they really did at that moment is in their mind, they, they, they chose what they could be successful at. But what they really did was they just gave up. They gave up on God, they gave up on themselves, and they gave up on what could be. They gave up on their potential. 
And that's where I believe far too many of us live every single day. Let me ask you this question. How big is your vision for your life? Just marinate that, on, uh, marinate that a little bit. How big is your vision for your life? How big is your dream for your life? Is what you're believing that God is going to do, is it risky for you? Is there a possibility of failure? Does it require sacrifice? Does it require faith? Does it require God to be involved? Is your, is your vision for your life that big? Or having you given up a big vision for your life because you're choosing what is safe? Let me tell you something, and I'm going to get myself in trouble here, but I've not ever been a sh- shy away from that. Let me tell you. Some of you who are parents, and I'm one, you are teaching your children to have small visions for their life because you're constantly pushing them to to choose what is safe, what doesn't have risk, what can be managed, what can be controlled, and and what can be understood, and, and do that because then we know where you can go. Then we know what you can achieve. Then we know what you can get because this is safe. This is manageable. This is controllable. And that leads them to think, what I must do, what God has for me is safe, controllable, manageable. But then we get to Scripture and God says, I have big visions for your life. And big visions mean having the courage to step out within something that may be risky. To take a step to something that isn't always controllable. To take a step in directions that require faith, require sacrifice, and require that if God doesn't come through, they will fail. And to challenge and encourage your children to believe in God's vision for their life is so big that it might take them to a place where they will fail if God doesn't come through is not bad parenting, it is godly parenting. Because I believe that God has big visions for your children. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? And sometimes our parenting says that we do not. Tell your children, don't be afraid to be great. Don't be afraid to be great. And being great takes faith. Being great takes putting yourself where sometimes you might fail. But don't be afraid to be great. You see, many of us have given up on what could be. We've given up on God's plan. We've given up on ourselves, And we didn't even realize that we've done that. Because it doesn't feel like giving up. We're actually, in our minds, being successful. But it's just because we have created a vision for ourselves that is so small, we can't help but achieve it. The size of your vision matches your view of the size of your God. How big is your vision for your life? You see, this is why I'm so excited about this series and for the next few weeks because we're going to challenge you to, to work today, not for today. We're going to challenge you to work today to build the landscape for tomorrow and have it a landscape that has a huge vision involved in it. But in a moment, I'm going to pray. And after that, I'm just going to give you a few moments to just spend time with God. 
And as we kick off this series, I just want you to ask God, God, remind me that my best days are not in my past. God, don't let me surrender my, my, my future on the altar of what is easy. And maybe most importantly, say, God, give me a God-sized vision for my, for my future. God, give me a God-sized vision for my life and give me the courage to pursue it. And ask God, and when it gets hard, don't let me give up. Don't let me give up on me. Don't let me give up on you. And don't let me give up on what can 